Let your glory fill this place. Not yours, his. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Let your glory fill this place and how we can see that happen. How many would like to see that happen? Like every time we come in here, his glory just sweeps on through this place every single time. Let your glory fill this place. And there's something special about being in the presence of the Lord. Now, if you've ever experienced the glory of the Lord just sweep over a service, sweep through your life, maybe in your one-on-one time with God as you worship, you know how special that is. You know, I think about different moments in my life where the glory of the Lord just came in and just overwhelmed me. And one of those was last year about this time at church camp, our high school camp. We had one service last year, last summer, that just, it lasted till almost midnight. And it was just wave upon wave. You know, we think we'd be about done and then God's glory just started passing through the place again. And if you were here last summer, high schoolers and volunteers, you remember, you know, but we looked up and it's like, oh, it's 10 till 12 or whatever time it was. But when you're in the presence of the Lord and then that glory is just moving through the building, you don't even care about time. Just do what you want, God, I'm here. And it was so powerful, and I've had different moments in my life where I just find myself worshiping in the car, and God's glory will just fall and overwhelms you, and your emotions just get the better of you in those moments, but you know what his glory feels like. And I want to see that in our church, that every time we walk through the doors, we know God's glory is going to fall and things are going to happen in this place. Oh, God. Let your glory fill this place. And again, this should be our heart's cry every time we meet in our sanctuaries across the world. Let your glory fill this place. Show us your glory, Lord. Fill this place with your presence. Did you know God is interested in doing that? He most certainly is interested in in shining down his glory upon our services every time we meet, um, every time we come to him. He's not going to deny us, but... That's if we stay hungry for it. If we stay hungry for it. So many times we come into church just to do church. Because that's what we're supposed to do. It's Sunday morning. I get up, I go to church, and I go home. But what if we came in with, let your glory fill this place, in a mindset, in our hearts in the right place when we walk in, that we are expecting God to do something big. We are expecting God and the Holy Spirit to convict people in here that need to be convicted of things, to draw people to salvation in Him when they come in this place. So many times we get in the rut of just doing church, and we forget about that He wants to shower down His glory on us and show us things and reveal things to us in His Spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, we read that the the door to encounter God in the holiest place of all was closed to everyone except the high priest. The holy of holies is where the fullness of God's presence lived and dwelled. And on the day of atonement, only the high priest could go make the sacrifice for the sins of the people. And this most holy place was separated from the people by a very thick veil, and they didn't have full access to God. It's not that way for us anymore. Jesus was that door opener to the glory of the Lord being in our lives and the fullness of the Lord to be upon our services and in our own lives also. His sacrifice on the cross tore that veil, unlocked and opened the door for us to have full communion with God. So let's do that. Let's take advantage of that. 
that he opened that way for us. His sacrifice paid it all. We no longer need a high priest. We live in the fullness of God now. And every single one of us now can go into the Holy of Holies. And if you've been in those services, you know what I'm talking about when you just know something shifted in the atmosphere of the service, that we can just go into the Holy of Holies and, and, and kneel before him and worship and praise him. And his presence just overwhelms us, consumes us. I want that. I want that. Not just every week we come in here, but every day of my life. I want that. We got so many things vying for our attention right now in the world that we're forgetting about the glory of the Lord that wants to rest upon us. It's not about who wants to do this or who doesn't want to do this. It's about him still. Let your glory fill this place. I've felt in my spirit ever since I've, I've been going to church here. It's been over five years that there's still days of glory to come for this church. Not our glory, his glory. There's still days of his spirit that are going to outpour on us as his people. That's still going to happen in this church. Days of his love just consuming all of us as an entire congregation when we come in here. You may be coming in here hard-hearted, stone-hearted, but his love is going to penetrate your heart and every single person in this room will be on the same page and understand what God's doing when he shows up in the middle of a service. How much do you want it? That's the question. How much do you want it? How much do you want it for your life, for your church? How much do you want it? And the, the great thing about God is he will not force it upon us. He's not going to force it on you. He's not going to force it on me. He's not going to force it on the church. He's a gentleman. He's not going to make us experience his glory. It's how much do you want it? This morning we're looking at a passage of scripture in John chapter 5. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with this story. And Jesus asked a man a question. We're going to see how this can apply, how we can apply this story to how we can see God's glory fill this place. You guys want to see this, right? You want to see this in the church. John chapter 5, verse 1, and how we can apply this story and how we can see God's glory fill this place. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for who you are, God. And right now I just ask that your spirit just, just work through me, Father. 
Open eyes, ears, hearts, minds, God, to what you would have to say to us this morning, God. God, you are awesome. We have direct communion with you, God, and we want to see your glory fill this place. We just ask that you be with us, Father, that you do what you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice that Jesus asked this man a question. He said, do you want to be made well? He's indicating this man being made well was available to him. This is available to you. Do you want to be made well? But if you notice, Jesus didn't force it on him. He just didn't come up to him and say, I'm the healer, I'm the deliverer, I can do all things through my Father, through the Holy Spirit. Boom, there you go. He didn't just do that. He asked him, do you want to be made well? He put the responsibility of it coming to pass on the man. He does that for us too. Do you want to see me show up in your life in a powerful way? I'm not going to force it on you. We know there's no question that Jesus could have just went ahead and made the man whole. We know Jesus can heal. We know he can deliver, that nothing is impossible for our God. Remember that. But he didn't force it on this man, and God will not force his glory on us either. You have to want it. You have to hunger. You have to desire for it. So I'm asking you again, are you hungry for the glory of the Lord to fill this place? Seven of us. That's God's number, so that's a good thing, okay? Are you hungry for the glory of the Lord to fill this place? Amen. 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 I'm tired of playing church. You can't say stuff like that, Reg. Yes, I can. I'm tired of just coming in and playing church and walking out the same. I'm tired of seeing people come in hurting and leave hurting. We need his glory in the house every week. We need people to feel that, to understand what this love is that exudes out of us. Some of you, we can't tell if you're, you're exuding the love of Jesus or not. <laughs> you got this grumpiness about you all the time. I'll include myself in that. There's days where it's a battle. But when people walk into this building, they better feel the love of Jesus. Amen. And the more we're feeling his glory in this place and in our lives, what's that going to do for us outside this building? I will be bold to go up to somebody and say, hey, you need to come out to our church. God's really moving. God's doing things. As soon as you walk in those doors, you're going to feel his love. And if there's anything you're dealing with, these people in this church are going to help you get through it with God leading them. I want that. I don't want to play church. It does nothing for anyone. Besides, oh, I felt nice today. That was nice. I want his glory to fall. Do you want to be made well? You know, so obviously Jesus wants the man to acknowledge that he wants to be made well. He's also asking him this. What are you willing to do to bring it to pass? He's asking us, you want my glory to fall in this place. What are you willing to do to bring it to pass? Is your half-hearted, lazy worship all you have for me to bring my glory down in this place? Is your falling asleep during the message all you have for me? I know, part of that's my responsibility. I'm going to do better. <laughs> Throw stuff in. All you have for me for my glory to fill this place. Are, 
Are you really hungry for me when you come in the building? Or are you just satisfied with, I felt good, I can go home now? We want to see people's lives changed. To get God's best, there are certain things we're required to do. And it, you know, some of you may disagree with me. It's not automatic for God just to shower down his blessings. It happens, but it's not automatic. If it was, everyone would be enjoying God's best all the time. Actually, if nothing was required for us to get God's best, then we wouldn't even have to have any faith. We just get God's best all the time. We don't need faith. What's the point in faith if we're always just getting the best that he has for us? I don't need to commit to God because he just pours out his blessings and glory all the time no matter what. It's not like that. There's a sacrifice on our part. It's available to us, but again, it's not automatic. He's not going to force anything on us. We have what we call a free will. We have a choice in this. God's given that to all of us. I have a choice. You have a choice. I can serve God with everything within me, or I cannot do that. I have a choice to be saved, and I have a choice not to be saved. I can accept the sacrifice of Jesus for my sins, or I can reject it. It's my choice. It's your choice. The Bible says, if you believe and if you confess that Jesus is Lord, that's a choice. It's free will. You know, if God forced us into being saved, the whole world would be saved and everything would be great and we'd all been called up to heaven by now. It's just not the way it's working, though. We have to do some things ourselves. You know, people can inspire you to want to follow Jesus and hunger after him. And you can see things happen in other people's lives when it comes to Jesus and it, it make you want to have that too. It makes you want to have that too. But it's, again, not going to be forced on you. And it's a great thing as a Christian when you're following Jesus so hard that others want what you have. And again, it's not about us, but it's about what God's doing in our lives that inspires other people to want that too. Um, if you don't have people looking to you like that, like, man, you really inspire me with how you live for Jesus. You really inspire me with the love that I see that he's poured into you, that's pouring out of you. I want that too. If you, if you don't have people saying that to you, if I don't have people you know, sometimes saying that to me, then... I have to wonder, am I serving God like I need to be serving God? If people aren't noticing him in my life, then there's a problem with me, not with him. It's with me and the choices that I'm making. You can be inspired by a church service or a song that we sing in church or a word that the speaker speaks one morning. But you know what? Inspiration can leave you just as soon as you walk out in the parking lot. It's your choice. What you do with that inspiration and how you seek after God, how you hunger after him and his glory. You know, I, as a kid, and even when I watch them now, watch Rocky movies. And I get inspired by Rocky Balboa to start working out, not fighting people, but... <laughs> To start working out, to start getting in shape, and just, ugh, it just does something to you. I, the tiger comes on, and that's a choice. So if I, if I don't put that into action, that inspires me, but if I don't do anything with the inspiration to work out and, and keep after it, then I'm going to be the same old fat out of shape Rick. That's just the way it's going to be. So inspiration can leave you just like that if you don't do something with it. 
What are you willing to do to experience the glory of God in your life? Again, let your glory fill this place and fill my life, Lord. So the first thing we have to do is we have to decide. We have to make a choice like this man did. I want everything Jesus has for me. I don't know about you guys, but I want everything he has for me. And I know, you know, I've been told this, the main goal is to see people saved. I understand that. I totally understand that, and I agree. The main thing is to get people saved. We want as many people to make it to heaven as we can, as we can get in this lifetime. But I also want to live in the fullness of the gospel. Because once you get saved, that's not the end. Congratulations, you're saved. Way to go. That's not it. I want to live in the fullness of the Lord after that. I don't want to sit back and say, oh, I'm saved. That's, thank you. That was, that was my thing. It's happened. I don't have to do anything else. I mean, that's like going to a restaurant. Say you've been craving a big pizza from Dimaggio's. Is that what you used to say? Dimaggio's. <laughs> okay. You're craving this big pizza or wherever you like to get it from. And you sit down. And you start to take a bite, you have one, and it's so good, it's everything you wanted it to be. And then the waiter comes by, or waitress comes by, and just takes all the pizza away. You got to taste it. See you later. No, I came here to get full on pizza. I didn't just want to taste it. I wanted to get full on it. And that's the same thing, I think, when you correlate it to your faith, your walk with Jesus. I want to be saved, but I also want the fullness that comes along with that. I want everything that God has for me. I want, I want to experience it all. Again, our choice to go after everything he has for us. Everything he has for us. Let your glory fill this place. So how do we do that? We make a choice then. The second thing is don't make excuses. Seems like I always preach hard sometimes, but... Again, I, I tell you guys this all the time. It's back at me. I'm preaching to myself. Don't make excuses. Look back at this passage of Scripture. Pick up in verse 7. I thought I could make it, George, but I can't. <laughs> verse 7. The sick man answered him. See, he was just asked, do you want to be made well? Okay. He says, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. So he answers Jesus' question of, do you want to be made well with an excuse? It was a good one. Hello. That's a good excuse. I have no one to put me in the pool, but you know, as you read this story, you're thinking, as soon as Jesus said, hey, do you want to be made well? Just say yes, mister. That's it. But he says, I got nobody to do this for me. And that's just like us. We make excuses of why we can't serve God with everything we have. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to serve the Lord like I know I need to, but I just don't have the time to. Baloney. You choose how you spend your time. I'm too tired. I'm too tired. I just can't stay awake enough 
to be able to serve the Lord like I need to. Good excuse, but it's still an excuse. It's too difficult. Man, this Christian thing, this walking with the Lord and, you know, being separate from the world, that's just too difficult. It is difficult. But through Christ, all things are possible. I don't have the skills to do what he's asking me to do. If if he's called you to do something, he'll provide the skills for you to do it. Don't doubt what God has called you to do. And don't doubt when other people try to speak negatively toward things God's called you to do. Well, the church hurt me. Me too. Welcome to the club. It's not Jesus. You're not serving the church. I mean, it's good to serve the church. But that's what I'm talking about in the perspective of the Lord and Jesus being number one in your life. He's the one that we're serving. He's the one that we're depending on. Not man, not people. Church is full of hypocrites. Yes, it is. Moving on. I don't like to read. I don't like to read, so I don't read my Bible. Come on. I was the same way. And over the course of the past five, six, seven years, God has totally transformed my way of thinking with that. I read the Bible. Now, I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life. I'm not going to say the perfect one or the one that's totally followed everything God wanted me to do, but in the last five, six, seven years, I've read the Bible more than my entire life before that all put together. So I know he can change your I don't like to read attitude into one that yearns to know what he wants to show you in his word. I forget to pray or read my Bible. I can't fast to draw closer to Jesus because I get too hungry. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. I can't help with such and such and because being the hands and feet of Jesus takes me away from this other stuff that's really important to me, which isn't really anything. There's so many times we have opportunities to serve and to, and to do things, and I'm not just saying this because I'm heading up the food thing, but, but I am heading up the food thing. So if you want, you want to serve and do things like that, that's great. But a lot of times we just, we'd rather sleep or we'd rather do this or we'd rather do that than just do things that the Lord would want us to do. And to just be love to people. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And, and, and again, I'm tired of my own excuses. I'm tired of reasoning out why I don't give God everything in every aspect of my life. I'm sick of that in my life. I'm tired of using excuses for why I can't do something or why I can't serve him like he's called me to serve him. I'm tired of not seeing the glory of the Lord in our churches and in my life on a more frequent basis. I need his glory to fall in my life more than once a year at church camp. I need his glory to fall more than once in my life during regular Sunday services. We need it more. This world is awful. It's the worst it's ever been. We need it Weekly, daily, we need the glory of the Lord to fill us up. And I'm not speaking ill of the past. I mean, I've been in some great services before I even came to Orchardville, but I don't want what used to be. 
It's a new season. It's a new day. Every day is a new day. I want to see God pour out new things all the time. Show me how you're going to wow me today, God. Show me how you're going to amaze me today. Show me how you're going to work through me today, God. And I know he wants to do that every time we come in here. So we've got to stop making excuses. The third thing, how can we see the glory of the Lord fall in this place? Act in faith. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. You want to see God moving in our churches like the day has gone by? Then start acting in faith. Start praying bold prayers. Start believing they'll come true. Start believing that God will say, will do what he said he would do in his word. Step out of your comfort zone every once in a while and act in faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance that what we hope for will come about and the certainty that what we cannot see exists. I don't know how you're going to make this happen, God, but I know you're going to do it. That kind of faith. I don't see a way, but I know you're going to make a way. And believe what you're saying. Sometimes I think we just like to talk words. Christianese, and just say things that we've heard over the years instead of really believing down in our heart that God's going to do something. We can't depend on ourselves and, and what our minds limit us to think on something. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. This is too small right here. For me, really small. <laughs> we can't think just within these parameters. We have to think on the big scale of God and how big he is and how great he is. That he can do whatever he said he's going to do and expect God to move. You know, I don't think we see his... See God do as many miracles and healings anymore is because we don't really believe it's going to happen. <laughs> we don't. Well, we say prayers, at the end of it, we'll tag something. Eh, hopefully it happens. Why do, we, why do we do that? We're already putting doubt right into our minds and in the person's mind we're praying for. Why doubt what an all-powerful, almighty God can do? Why restrict him? Or we don't sacrifice or take up our cross daily to stay close to God. I truly believe that the closer we are to God, the more, you know, the more we're sacrificing our life for him and doing things that he wants us to do, the more we're doing that on a constant daily basis, the more he will show himself to us the more he will operate through us. The more his Holy Spirit will say, hey, go talk to so-and-so because they have this need. And you walk up to that person and say, hey, are you having problems with your back? And they say, who are you? How did you know that? Oh, you see, I'm staying close to God and the Holy Spirit uses me to talk to people. What, that really happens? Yeah, that really happens. God does not move based on our need or our begging him. He moves because of our faith in him. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't scream out, please, please, let me, let me. She just said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. And Jesus tells her, because of your faith, 
You're made whole. You're healed. Because of her faith, not because she begged or she was needy, because she had faith in what he could do. The fourth thing we need to do to make sure we experience the glory of God is to make, make a deep commitment to Jesus. You remember what that was like? When you knelt down at the altar or wherever you were and you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. My life is yours. Do with it what you want. You remember that? You know, sometimes I think we treat our marriage vows more sacred than our vow to God. And you say, well, that's probably really not true, right? Because there's like 50% divorce rate, even amongst church people. But for those of us that love our spouse, that are faithful to them, we would never, ever think about cheating on our spouse. Am I right? <laughs> you better say, uh, yes, that's right. We would never think about doing that because our vow to them says that we won't. They're the one for us, but we're so easy to cheat on God all the time. It's so easy for us to just do the things the world wants us to do and cheat on God anytime we want to. So when we kneel down at the altar and we say, Jesus, my, my heart, it needs cleaned, it needs forgiven, I need you to, to do something in my life, I need you to come in and make me a new person, and I commit myself to you, and we get up, then our lives should be committed to him. Every single day. He will supply the strength you need to get through whatever you're dealing with. Nothing else in this world is going to do that for you. Commit to reading his word. And I know it can be difficult. I know it can. Commit to prayer daily. And I'm guilty of this too. Like, why, why would I forget to talk to God? Well, sometimes I do. I can't explain it. I just forget. That's another excuse. He wants to have daily communion with us. Talk to him. Commit to fasting. How many of you in here? Well, that's putting people on the spot. I won't ask. Commit to fasting. And what that is is saying, I'll give up something and spend that time that I'll be doing that thing so I can be closer to you, God. I'll sacrifice this because I want more of you. Or I need an answer in my life, so I'm going to fast and pray. Fasting. Commit to fasting. That's something that we don't even talk about a whole lot in the church anymore. But it works. Because God sees how serious you are about wanting to be with him and get to know him better. Commit to giving your best in praise and worship. I know Carlin and the praise team would appreciate it. Give your best in praise and worship. We're talking about somebody that died for you. And I know everybody worships in their own different ways. But give him your best in the worship. If you don't enjoy it, I'm not sure you're going to like heaven. <laughs> give him your best in your worship. We're so reserved sometimes in our worship, myself included. But I can take the teens to a, a youth convention and we can be all crazy for Jesus all of a sudden. Give him your best. Not for show, but just to show, man, you're worthy of this. 
You're worthy of my praise and my honor and my hands lifted high to you and surrendering it all to you, God. You're worthy. You know what praise also does? It affects the people around you. You know, I may not know what Edie or Tanya is going through, but if I'm praising right in the midst of them and they see me worshiping and crying out to God, what do you think that's going to do for their spirit and whatever they're struggling with at that moment? That's an encouragement to people around you. Praise him, worship him with everything you have. This name's kind of funny, but some people will recognize it. But, you know, I think revival starts in all of us individually before it sweeps through a church. Because once we get on the same page, you know what it says in Acts where everybody was in unity, one mind, one accord. When we all decide I want revival in my life, then it oozes into the church. But Gypsy Smith was asked, he was an evangelist in the 1800s, and he was asked, how do you start a revival? And his answer is so true, so relevant. He said, you go in your room, you close the door behind you, and I don't have any with me, but he said, you take a piece of chalk or whatever, you kneel down on the floor, you draw a circle around yourself, and you just start praying, God, start revival in me. God, whatever you want to do in my life, whatever I need to let go of, start it right inside here, God. Start it right inside here. Because once it starts in me, God, once it starts in you, it's going to consume the church. The praise team will come up. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. If you guys would stand. As they begin to play, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you guys do something a little different here. And we'll have an altar call. But I'm going to have you guys repeat some things after me. And these are lyrics to a song that I heard several years ago. And it's called, Let Your Glory Fill This Place. How fitting. But I want you guys to repeat these lyrics after me. And I want you to mean it. I'm asking you to clear your minds, like Kathy talked about earlier, clear your hearts of everything but him in these next few moments. And we're talking about let your glory fill this place. And I want you to mean it when you say these things and you repeat them. I want you to shout them. Is that okay? Is it okay to shout in church? All right. I should be blown off the stage when I ask you to repeat me, okay? So as they put these up here, I'm going to read them. We're going to, re you guys repeat after me, okay? Let your glory fill this place. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. How we need you. Nobody else will do. Nothing else will do.
Come, Holy Spirit. Our hearts cry out. Come, Holy Spirit. Our souls cry out. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Touch us, change us. Rearrange us. Heal us, free us. Lord, we seek your face. Wash us, cleanse us. Please forgive us. Mold us, make us. Come and shake us. Lord, let your glory fill this place. Amen, Lord, we just praise you and we thank you right now, God. Lord, let your glory fill this place in these next few moments. Lord, let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. If you have a need this morning, or if one of those things that I was talking about this morning is you, you need to stop making excuses. You need to make a choice. Maybe again, rededicate. Lord, I need to rededicate. I need to recommit my life to being about you. I need to act in faith. And I just need to make this commitment to you this morning. These altars are open for you as they sing. If you have a need, something for healing, you want to come talk to me about, we'll pray and we will believe that God will move and his glory is about to fill this place as we sing and we worship. Lord, do what you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name.